God for it. If you have your Bibles, we're turning to the book of Mark, chapter number 10 this evening. The book of Mark, chapter number 10. I'll ask you to stand to your feet for the reverence of reading of God's word. Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 46 tonight. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out to Jericho, or excuse me, out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And we heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should Hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I, may receive, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I believe God would have us interested, especially in verse number 49 tonight, where the Bible says, And Jesus stood still, interested tonight in when Jesus stood still. Father, would you help us to preach the word of God tonight, to rightly divide the word of truth by the help of your precious spirit. God, thank you for our, what our hearts have received this evening already. God, the good encouragement of the choir and lifting us and setting an atmosphere of praise, uh, singing unto the Lord, and for these verses being read, Father, that been well pleasing tonight, God. I thank you for that. Help us now, Father, to preach the word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We thank you for standing. Tonight you may be seated. The sun stood still. Jesus stood still. Now, when we read this text about blind Bartimaeus, do not be so blind as to not see yourself in this text. Because we are all born spiritually blind and we're unable to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ without God revealing it unto us. And so in every moment of every day, we are completely dependent upon the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus made this statement one time. He said, apart from me, Ye can do nothing, and that is so true tonight. Without the Lord, you and I could not do a thing. In this text, we find Jesus and his disciples. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They're going to keep the Passover. Jesus has just stepped out in front of them very briskly, headed towards the cross. He's in the shadow of the cross. He's got the cross on his mind. And his disciples are uh, aware that Jesus has set out before them and they're trying to catch up to him. And now they're coming through Jericho. And as they do, uh, they're going to 
Jerusalem in order to keep the Passover. The disciples think uh, we're going to keep the custom, the feast, the Passover, uh, which represents the blood of the lamb being put on the doorpost and the lintel of the house. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But those disciples don't know that they are traveling with God's Passover lamb, the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, look at this text in verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. So Jesus is passing through Jericho, and our Bible says he's on his way out of the city. He's headed to give his life on the cross. Number one tonight, I want us to see in this text the condition. These will start with the letter C. The condition of the sinner. Now, verse 46 tells us about this blind man's lost condition. Blindness is a picture of being a sinner, a picture of being lost. Amen. As Jesus leaves Jericho, there's a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus sitting by the highway side begging. The word or, or the, the prefix Bart, it's Aramaic. It means son of Timaeus. It means honor. Bartimaeus means the son of honor. But at best, the son of honor is, at, is a blind man. And that is our condition as human beings. We may be thinking we're sons of honor, but without Jesus, we are truthfully blind tonight. He cannot see the beauty of the world that surrounds him. He is confined to live in the dark prison of night. He is restricted and he is at the mercy of others to care for him and to provide for his every need. In the ancient world, there was little that was more debilitating than being blind. He is reduced to begging for alms that he might have something to eat. And even if he has alms, he would have to go get someone if they don't give him food. If they give him money, he would have to ask someone to go and get it for him. He is entirely, entirely dependent upon the goodness and the kindness of others that are around him because he is unable to provide for himself. May I say tonight, this may, this may be a picture of you. He has a dilemma. Maybe tonight you have a dilemma. He could not see. He, he has a problem that he could not solve. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Jesus knows that you have a problem. I can feel the Lord all over that. You have a problem and you're unable to solve it. If you could solve it, you would solve it. But you're unable to. In fact, you've prayed much about it. And you sometimes the devil's come and said, even the Lord's not going to solve this problem. But honey, I would remind you that my Jesus has never had a problem that he could not solve. Amen. This blind man not only does have a problem he can't solve, but he's got a situation that he can't change. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, you're in a situation and it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It, it's not where you want to be. It's not what you want happening in your life right now. And, and you would love to change the thermostat and fix things and adjust things. But, but it just so happens that you're in a situation that you cannot change. And here this blind man is with desperation by the highway side 
begging for alms, depending on others. Would they be good to him? Would they be kind? Here he is. He's really by himself. He's alone. He's got no company. He's got no companion, no friend. And may I say that blindness in Scripture is always an emblem of being lost. In West Virginia, there was miners that went down into a mine and they worked and worked and there was a mine explosion and a collapse of things and, and uh, they worked for uh, maybe over a day to get those miners out and as they did, they got every one of them out to safety. None of them died, but it was very uh, desperate the conditions were and there they were in the middle of the day and they were getting air, fresh air, they were rejoicing and one of the miners says, hey, Bring the light over here. Bring the light over here. And they thought, it's the middle of the day. Why is he saying bring the light over here? They looked at him and they figured out that now this explosion in the mine has left him blinded. I'm just telling you, it's a picture of someone that cannot see. And here's this man. He's got a lost condition. He's without God, without Jesus in this world. And when I read verse 46, not only does it represent his lost condition, it represents this is his last chance. Jesus is on his way out of Jericho. He's not coming back. He's on his way to the cross to be crucified, to be buried, and to rise again and ascend back to the Father. And here's this blind man in a desperate condition with a problem that he cannot change, a situation that cannot be fixed, and what is happening here? The Lord is passing him by. As Jesus is departing, this is his last chance to get a hold of Jesus. I think about that little girl that was in the church service and the man of God had preached and she wiggled and she squirmed and he gave the invitation and nobody would really come. Others were saved in the service, but nobody, everybody tried to get that young lady to move and, and they talked to her about her salvation and nobody could get her to move. And the preacher came down the aisle on his way to the back to shake hands and even looked at her and said, honey, are you okay? She said, I'm fine. And he just walked away and left and the daddy asked the Little girl said, honey, do you need to go to the altar? Do you need to be saved? I need to be saved, but not tonight, daddy. The mom just coaxed her and tried to urge her to go, but she wouldn't go. They went to the back there, and they walked out, and the little girl snuck out the door, went and got in the car. And we, you, you remember the story that mom and dad came on down to the car, and they said, don't you want to go back and talk to the preacher? Don't, go, don't you want to go back to the altar? She said, I know I need to be saved, but not tonight, I told you. Not tonight. As they drove down the road, as they gave the signal to turn into their driveway, a drunk driver over 100 miles an hour hit them, T-boned them, flipped their car up on its side even, threw the dad out and the mom out and trapped the little girl in between the front seat and the back seat. She's not cut, she's able to breathe, but there she is stuck and can't get out. She's trapped. They're working to try to get her out of the car and there's a, a gasoline that's leaking from that tank and running across the road and the drunk driver gets out of the car and said, man, what hit me? And he lit a cigarette and threw the match on the ground and it hit that gasoline and woof! Vapor trail back to the car. It incinerated the car and set it on fire. They began to work more feverishly to get that little girl out. And, and they had to break the dad's shoulders as it got, one of his shoulders as it got so hot. He was trying to get her out and he could not get her out. And the mama yelled, said, honey, you said you need to be saved. And we can't get you out. Will you pray now? She said, mama, it's too late. And she burnt to her death in the backseat of that car right in front of her home. I'm telling you, you never know 
when in a church service, it is your last chance to get things right in your life. I remember one time there were two girls as I was preaching that had been mocking me and, and making fun and passing notes. And, and when I finished preaching, I said, I never did. Y'all know me. I don't call people out. But I said, you two, your blood will be on your own hands. They looked, ha, <laughs> ha, they laughed and mocked me. And about that, one, one of them put their hand down like this. She started making her, eye, her way down the aisle, and I thought, what in the world? And I looked, and there was blood dripping off her forearm, down off her elbow, into the carpet. God had went back and pinched her nose, and her blood's on her own hands. The bathroom in that church was back behind the pulpit, and I thought, surely she's got a bad problem. She's on her way to the bathroom, but no, she slid in over here on this side of the altar. I knelt, and she motioned for me, and I knelt down with her. She said, preacher, I laughed at you. You said my blood would be on my hands, and this was my last chance. If I wasn't careful, I was going to swander it. Look, preacher, my blood is all over my hands. And, and not then and there, she said, do you think that Jesus would still save me? Do you think that he would? I said, honey, let's call upon him. And he said, uh, let, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And she called on Jesus, and she got saved. She stood up, and she looked at her friend, her, her bloody nose had dried up and now it's dried all over her hands and she stood up and she said the Lord is saving and people rejoiced and she looked at her friend and she called her name and she said you laughed at him too you laughed too and you know you need to be saved and that little girl she could have stepped right out and went outside and nobody would have been none the wiser but instead she started running down that center aisle and she slid into that altar amen and I'm telling you I believe God saved her as well when she called on Jesus that was their last chance I remember the night that I got saved amen at the Balfour Baptist Church on July 13, 1978 men of, men of God had preached to me the Holy Ghost had witnessed to me and the man of God finished preaching nobody came to the altar nobody had gotten saved he was coming off the platform the pastor was going up to dismiss and when the, when the man of God got about right here he stopped he said wait a minute he walked back up to the pulpit he said I've got to be obedient he said there's a lad here son this is your last chance God has dealt with you more than just tonight and this will be your last chance you'll not make it home young man this is your last chance and I told my daddy and I told my mama I got to go and out of there I stepped and ran down that old fashioned altar and God saved me right there and there that was probably I believe my last chance to be saved Jerry Harold Smith said he was sitting on his sister's front porch down in South Carolina and she walked up to him he's getting ready to, to, to uh, graduate with a doctor's degree a medical doctor's degree from Furman University and and she looked at him and she said, Harold, you've tried everything else this, this world has to offer. When will you try Jesus? Why won't you get saved? He said, I thought, who are you, sis, to question me and my salvation? He said, I looked back up at her as if I cussed her. And he said, I seen the tears running down her face. I knew the love she had for me. No doubt she had prayed for me. That was hard for her to tell me. And I looked at her and I said, right now, sis, I want to be saved. And he said he got saved on the front porch of his sister's house. He said when he left that place, he come to a red light there. that a truck, a tractor trailer ran the red light. And the Holy Ghost said, right here is where you would have died had you said no to me just a little earlier. I'm telling you, youngins, you'll never know when it's your last chance and for blind Bartimaeus this is the sinner's condition it is his last chance to call on the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and verse 47 says that he made a loud cry he said Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by. He was blind, but he wasn't deaf, amen. He heard it was Jesus that was passing by. He realized this was his last opportunity to call on Jesus. He'll never have this opportunity again. I'm saying tonight for Bartimaeus, it's now or never, amen. He must seize the moment. He must make the most of this opportunity. And somebody says, well, I'm afraid of what somebody will say. Who cares what everybody else is going to say? He began to cry and say, Jesus, 
Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'll say this, it was a cry for the right purpose. Have mercy on me. It was a cry for the right person, amen, calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of David. He is the, help me preach, he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Christ, the day star, the eternal one, the Father, the glory of God, the hallelujah. Emmanuel, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, amen. He is the master Messiah. He's the name above all names. He's the omniscient one and the all-not-present one. Amen. Tonight, he is the power and the prince and the potentate. He is the quickener and the redeemer. Amen. He is the savior. He is the triumph. He's the unique one. He is the victor. Amen. He is the witness. He is the excellent one. He is Yahweh. He's the zenith of our hopes and the zeal of the house. From A to Z, honey, he made a call to the right one. Have you called on him tonight, amen? Now here he is begging for the compassion of God. God, and he's not saying, Lord, you owe me. He's not demanding. Some of you, when you pray, you demand things of God. You're telling him what to do rather than asking him. This is a cry for mercy. I believe he's acknowledging his unworthiness. I believe he's acknowledging his misery. I believe he's acknowledging his helplessness. He believes the mercy of Jesus will be life-changing. Oh, listen here, his lost condition. It is his last chance. He makes a loud cry, and suddenly, here's the encouragement he got. Little concern. Look with me in this next verse 48. And he charged him that he should hold his peace. What about that? Here's the condition of the sinner. We've identified it. But obviously, there's some people traveling with Jesus that are considered to be saved, considered to be saved. What's the condition of the saints? Here's a blind man calling on Jesus and the condition of the saints, the, the condition of the church is hold your peace, man. You're bothering Jesus. Don't get up here and read those seven people get up here and read scripture. That's bothering me. That's, you know why it bothers you? Because you all been up here too. They had little concern. They were not concerned about the blind man at all. They had no concern about his plight. And you know what this man did? Look at verse 48. But he cried the more a great deal. Hey, their little concern didn't bother him. He got even louder. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He would not give up. He's a man in dire need. He's in desperation and he is resilient with his cry. May I say tonight, maybe there's somebody here. You need to cry out to the Lord with urgency, with dependency, with intensity, we must see our own helplessness to change our situation or to solve our problem. We must cry out to Jesus. Number two, in this text, I see the compassion of the Savior. Look in verse 49 at the Lord's call. My Bible says, and Jesus stood still. Now, I've already told you that he's on his way to the cross. In fact, I've preached in Mark previously, but when his disciples were with him there, usually he's traveling with them. But this time, Jesus has gone on out before them by himself and left them standing in the dust. They're amazed at his brisk pace. Here's a man on his way to the cross and can't wait to get there. He's not hiding. He's not shirking. And all of a sudden, amidst his brisk pace, he stopped. He stood still as if there's only one cry in the whole world. He, Jesus, gives his undivided attention to blind Bartimaeus. 
<laughs> and Jesus responding to his cry, he commands him to be called. He said, uh, they, he, he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, he calleth thee. Hey, praise God, Jesus made a personal invitation. He didn't just invite everybody to come. He said, call that man. Have commanded Bartimaeus to be brought to me. Oh, I remember the night, July 13th of 78, when the Lord came looking for me. When he called, it was just me that got saved that night. I wish there had been 300 others. That had been great. But I'm telling you, have you had a night where the Lord came calling for you? And man, it was convicting. Man, it was overwhelming. But after you received that call, after you bowed your knee and confessed your unworthiness and called upon him, what a blessing it was to know that Jesus had changed your whole world. And it didn't matter what everybody else thought. It didn't matter what the family was upset. It didn't matter what the friends had to say. All that mattered was I'm going to do what God would have me to do. Amen. He's given a personal invitation. Here's Jesus tonight. I believe that Jesus, don't you believe this? He's sovereign. He, he is sovereign. He is ordering the whole universe tonight with all the pressing needs of chaos and destruction and warfare and, and many needs here tonight even at Bethel but they, I say tonight that as he's passing by he stops and tonight Bethel he stands still as if to give you his undivided attention in the middle of ordering the universe he's got you on his mind He's got you in his eyesight. He's listening to your very beckoning call. Hallelujah. Do you hear the Lord's call? Verse 50. And he casting away his garment arose and he came to Jesus. He loosed his confinements. Anything that was holding him back. He left his garment behind. Oftentimes the blind man would have taken his garment and he, he would have held out his garment maybe to receive the alms to say you put your money in here your gift in here that it can go inside my coat whatever you have to give me please take my garment that garment represents warmth that garment represents his protection from the elements that garment represents the things that cause him to have comfort for some people it's a garment of pride for some people it's a garment of religion but I'm telling you you that our garments are filthy rags, amen, and blind Bartimaeus, the Bible says in verse 50, and he casting away his garment, I'm not letting anything get in my way, I'm not going to be tripped up by what they say about me, I'm not going to be tripped up by pride or by religion. I'm not going to be tripped up because I'm doing good begging for alms here on the corner. I'm not going to be tripped up by religion and pride. I'm not going to be tripped up by anything. I must get to Jesus. Everything in his life that would have been a stumbling, stumbling block or everything that would have been a hindrance in his life was cast away. He was determined to rise and come to Jesus. One time here at Bethel, we were having a funeral, and 
God got in the middle of the funeral in a mighty way. And I'll never forget, I, I had the congregation to stand. And I said, I feel led to give an invitation to salvation. We, we had flowers all over the place here. I was weaving, trying to find a way to get out here in the aisleway beside the casket which had the body in it and was given an invitation. And there was a lady on this side of here. There was 11 people got saved that day. But there was a lady that was sitting right underneath this eye beam right over here on the corner. I'll never forget it. She got up. I didn't know the lady. She stepped out down that aisleway. She started walking. She got as far down to about that window and she completely stopped. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. Keep coming, keep coming. She took off her coat and she threw it back there in that seat about three pews back behind her. And then she turned around and made her way on down here. She was saying, I'm not letting my family, I'm not letting what people think about me, I'm not letting the situation cause this a funeral. And she was the first one to come. I'm not letting anything stop me from getting to Jesus. I'm getting rid of that stumbling stone. I'm getting rid of that hindrance. I'm getting rid of my doubt. I'm getting rid of my pride. She threw those things away. I'm telling you the best thing you'll ever do, I believe, is get rid of your own thought life. That's what's defeating you, your doubts and the, the things that you care about. That is crushing to you. Verse 51, and Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Don't you think he's asking, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? Is it salvation? Maybe there's somebody here tonight under the sound of my voice. Do you need to be saved? That's why Jesus came. He came to meet your greatest need and that's to forgive your sins and to save your soul, amen. Maybe tonight there's somebody here you're discouraged. What is it tonight that you need? Jesus stands still at Bethel tonight and he looks and says to you as if to give you his undivided attention. What is it, mother, dad, husband, wife, son, daughter, what is it that you want? What is it that I can do for you? Do you need encouragement? He has it. Do you need guidance? Do you need direction? Do you need wisdom? I'm telling you all, do you need some of you, you just may need, preacher Darren, I'll be honest, I need some clarity on some things. I'm telling you when he says that, you ought to step forward, get rid of your pride, Cast away anything that would hinder you and make your way to the altar and say, Lord, you asked me what you could do for me. I'm just going to tell you and just give it to him, amen. He already knows what you want. He already knows what you desire. He already knows what you need, but he's just waiting on you to ask him, amen. Thirdly, and I'll be done, I want you to see his conversion of salvation. Verse 51 again, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, what's that next word? Lord. Lord. My Bible says somewhere, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, Bartimaeus got it right, didn't he? There by the highway side when the master called for him and they brought him to Jesus, he called him Lord, amen, Lord, 
Glory to God. I think the first thing he wanted was salvation. Amen. That's the first thing he wanted. Lord, that I might receive my sight. I believe Jesus, he knew what that man wanted. He knew what that man needed. But he asked the question to find the faith of the blind man. I, tonight, the Lord knows what you need, but he's asking you a question. What wilt thou that I should do for thee? Because he's trying to get you to respond in faith to what you're asking him for. Oh, hallelujah. I like this. Jesus said unto him in verse 52, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus in the way. Go thy way. What about that? Here's a blind man that when the Lord called for him, they had to bring the blind man to Jesus. And now Jesus, when the blind man says, what will you that I should do for you, Lord, that I might receive Messiah? Jesus simply said, go your way. Did you get that? Go that, Lord of God, that, 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 that means you no longer need to regain your sight. You can go on your own. You, you don't need these people to guide you anymore. I've given you what you asked for. You've asked for your sight. You've asked for salvation. Go your way. I've given it to you. what God has intended to give you. Go thy way. Hallelujah to God. Thy faith hath made thee old. Put his faith in Jesus and his faith obtained the blessing. And my Bible says he followed Jesus in the way. His first order of business is to use his sight to follow Jesus in the way. Now you be careful with tonight. I believe the Lord's asking you, what is it that you want me to do? And I believe the Lord posed this question to me under my desk two weeks ago. What is it that you're asking me or that you'd like for me to do? What would you like God to do for you personally, for your family, for your church? Ooh, I'm telling you, man, I got her my, I got her my desk and I laid on my face. Preacher, I don't believe in laying on your face. Jesus fell on his face in the garden before the Father and began to call upon him. I'm telling you tonight, youngins, the Lord is speaking to somebody. What is it that you want? And sometimes people use what God gives them for everything else and except for what God intended it to be used for. Amen. And may I say tonight that my Jesus is fourthly the Christ of standing still. Preacher, what do you mean? Joshua, he stood still. Amen. He made the sun stand still. Here we are right here in the book of Mark. He's standing still to hear the request of Bartimaeus. I'm telling you one day he stood still on Calvary. Amen. And was crucified in your place. And three days later on the first day of the week, he stood up, amen, and walked, glory to God, out of that grave. And I'm telling you, youngins, there's coming a day when he steps out on the clouds and he stands still and says, Arise, my love. We're going to be going home. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, he's giving you his undivided attention. What is it that you need tonight? What is it that you want? Amen. Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you stand to your feet?
been up here before. I've prayed. I've done this. But you know what? She finally did the night. She said, you know what? All those things I know and all those things I've done, I throw it aside. And I'm willing tonight to call on the Lord. And I bless his holy name.